Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. If you've been coming for a few weeks, um, you would, you'll know we've been in the book of Jonah. So if this is your first time here, you're kind of catching back up with us. Um, we're in the book of Jonah. You can turn there if you want already as we're talking about it. But uh, Jonah is an interesting book. It's, only, it's a little book, four chapters long. And we have spent now four weeks going through Jonah. Many of you, how many of you were familiar with the story of Jonah before we had started? You, you heard about the dude that got swallowed by a fish maybe, something like that. Or maybe you're very familiar with it. But the, here's the skinny on, Ju, uh, on Jonah. Chapter 1. God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. It's a sinful city. It's full of people that are wicked. And I want you to tell them they need to repent. I want you to go speak to them. Uh, you turn their hearts back to me. Jonah says, I don't like the people of Nineveh. They're not my race. They're not my nation. All this stuff. So he goes the opposite direction. He goes to a place called Tarshish. He's sailing on a ship to a place called Tarshish. Real weird to say, right? And as he's sailing, God's getting his attention. God sends a storm and it starts rocking the boat and all the sailors, all the guys running the ship are like, God must be punishing someone on this ship. They realize it was Jonah. They throw him overboard. Yeah, they throw him overboard and he gets swallowed by a fish. A great fish. We don't know that it's a whale, even though it's overwhelming mercy. You ever know the old guys, they really pronounce the H when it's like whale. They say a whale. Wheat thins. Anyway, um, so he gets swallowed by this big fish and he's in, God keeps him alive miraculously in the belly of a fish for three days. And in, while he's in the, the belly of a fish, Jonah writes. He doesn't write with, obviously, he doesn't have like a pen and paper and you know, <laughs> he doesn't have library supplies in, in a fish's belly. But he, he, he writes in his head this psalm, this song of prayer to God. Three days later, bleh, you know, the fish spits Jonah up out on dry land and Jonah's like, I think I'm going to go and do what God tells me to do. So he goes to Nineveh. He preaches a sermon. It's a very short sermon. Pretty much God's going to destroy this place if you don't repent. The people of Nineveh all become convicted of their sin. They start getting right with God and they start repenting. And it says God forgives them. That's a happy ending, right? I mean, that's like, like Snow White and the Prince riding off into the sunset, you know, getting a house, having 3.5 kids and a white picket fence. I mean, that's a great ending to the story, but there's a problem. There's one more chapter in Jonah. And what you're gonna see here is that even though Jonah was set up for the most beautiful story of redemption ever, just like the lady riding the, uh, riding the, uh, the four-wheeler through the barbecue, like <laughs> he just takes his wonderful four-wheeler of mercy and just wrecks it into, you know, into Uncle Joe's you know, barbecue uh, and, and messes it up. Um, so it's, it's not a happy ending. Um, it's, 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 it's a bittersweet ending. Um, but tonight what you're also going to see is how much God loves people, including this guy that totally wrecked his happy ending, Judah. Um, if we had to kind of sum up the message tonight in one sentence, it'd be a two-word sentence. And it's this, people matter. Look to the person next to you. We're going to get used to saying this. Look to the person next to you and say, people matter. Okay. Look to the other person on the other side of you and say, you matter. Okay, so people matter. If there's one thing I want, I hope, pray, I pray that you take away from this, it's knowing this, that people matter. It's something we say a lot, but it's something that we often don't act out in our lives and believe in our lives as much as we should. So, 
I've given you like 3.5 minutes to turn to the book of Jonah. Everybody have Jonah open. If not, go ahead and get there real quick. Um, it's on page 775 in my Bible. I don't know if that helps you at all. Um, but if it doesn't, good news. I got it on the screen for you. So we're going to read chapter 4 of Jonah. It's only 11 verses. It's pretty short. Now where did we leave off, right? All the people in Nineveh, these sinful people that were bound for destruction, they got right with God. Like families are getting back together. People are starting to live right. People who robbed other people are given the money back. Like it's this incredible revival going on in Nineveh. Jonah should be happy, right? Right? Jonah should be happy, right? Okay. Jonah 4.1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. What's this guy's problem? Do you, you have somebody like in your family or in your friend group or at your school, like everything could be going right and they just look like they just ate the most sour lemon in the world. Like they're just negative people. We don't know that Jonah was necessarily a negative people, but something about this revival that was going on in Nineveh made him upset. If you get upset about a revival, that's probably not a good thing, right? It displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was, what was he? Angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. I can never say that right. Made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a, gra God, a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Are you starting to see why Jonah did what he did? Why he wouldn't go to Nineveh and he ran the opposite direction? Because he knew exactly what God's nature was. And he didn't like God's nature. He has a problem with God, doesn't he? He's like, man, God, if only you were a little more mean. Like, God, God, why do you have to be, why do you have to be so gracious? Like, God, why do you have to be so merciful? Why do you have to be so slow to anger? I want you to drop a big, like, megaton nuke on these people. That was where Jonah was. So we see why Jonah left. He has something against these people. He does not like these people in Nineveh. And the fact that God spared their lives and brought revival to their city, he was more than ticked. We're going to keep reading in verse 3. He's still talking to God. You want to see how mad he is? This is how mad and how upset he is. He says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. He really didn't like these people. He'd rather die than see these people's lives saved and be made right with God. Man, what, is, what does God say to that? Like if you come up here and you start attacking me and attacking my character, and you start like ripping me up one side and down the other, you know, I may have a snarky comeback for you. Like, 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 like I may get a little upset, right? I should show grace, but you know how I am. You know how you are, right? Like if somebody starts doing one of these things to you, did I do it right? Like, you know, I'm sure some of you girls can do it better. But you know, do one of these things to you, what are you going to do? You're going to do it right back to them, right? So, did you like that? I got a little sass, okay? I got a little sass. Okay. Um, but what does God say? How does God react? Does God pick up a tree and knock Jonah out? No, God asks Jonah a question. The Lord says, do you do well to be angry? Another way to understand this in some other versions, it says, are you right to be angry? He's telling Jonah, hey, take a step back and think about this. <laughs> like, you're saying some pretty strong stuff. If you're upset that a revival's happening and you're upset at my nature as God, 
you may need to do a little looking in the mirror there, big bud. So Jonah leaves the city. You ever play with somebody when you were a kid? They just get so upset. They're like, I don't have to take this. I'm going home. And they just leave. Like they pick up their stuff. They pick up their ball and bat and they go. This is what Jonah's doing. He picks up his ball and his bat and he goes. It says he went out to a city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. So to get from what we can see from where the city of Nineveh was, he probably had to take a day's journey out and up to this plateau on this mountain to where he could look down on the city. And it says he builds him a booth. It was kind of like a chair with maybe a little shade covering on it. Because this is the middle of the desert. It's a mountain in the desert. So why is he sitting there? What's he doing? Why does he leave? He sat under in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. He's still hoping that maybe God changes his mind. That maybe you, God goes like crazy on him. Like that God just goes like Vladimir Putin crazy on him. And just like starts just raining down fire on this city. So I can imagine he's not just sitting like this. He's probably, you know, like sitting like this. You know how people can sit like, so, you know, some people cross their arms, you know, they're mad. And he's just, he's sitting there just watching. He's pretty much playing chicken with God. You know, he's saying, are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? Are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? And he sits there for a long time. But then what happens? Verse six, now the Lord appointed, oh, is God gonna really get him this time? Finally, Jonah has it coming. The Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Wow, God's actually being pretty nice to Jonah, isn't he? Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Hey, if I'm in the Middle East, I mean, I, I think we probably have one person in the room that can tell us a little bit about the climate of the Middle East, right, Adam? Yeah, I've, I've heard it's hot. I've heard it's very sunny, and I've heard shade is very important, right? So God provides shade for Jonah in this Middle Eastern desert hot climate. I'd say Jonah's pretty happy, right? I mean, he's got, his, he's got his camping chair, he's got his shade, he's got a cold Mountain Dew in one side, and he's got a Bluetooth speaker in the other, you know, playing bro country. I mean, he's set up pretty well at this point. And he goes to sleep. Verse 7. When dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, so it withered. So Jonah wakes up and this worm has been eating this plant. Jonah's ready for just another day of camping out waiting for this city to burn. But instead, Jonah ends up burning, right? He's getting sun on his head. He's starting to get, y'all ever, ever had terrible sunburn? I got sunburned one time so bad that I had blisters on my back and the blisters popped and my shirt stuck to the back of my back and I was flying home from the Dominican Republic so I had to be like that for like 24 hours. Yeah, sunburn's not fun. So Jonah is sitting there getting burnt by the sun and then it says when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. It's windy today, right? It was a cold wind. Have you ever been in like the summer when it's a hot wind? Have you ever been somewhere where it's a hot, it's the most miserable. You know when, have you ever opened the oven and that like, that, that like that hot draft just comes and it's just terrible? That's what's happening to Jonah. How do you think he's feeling? Well, it says how he's feeling. He was faint. And once again, Jonah's got a death wish. He asked that he might die and said to God, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, he repeats the same question. He's trying to get Jonah's attention. He's, he keeps driving this point home. Do you do well to be angry for this plant? Are you right to be angry that I made this plant go away? Jonah just doesn't get it. 
First, he assaults God's character, right? Now he says, yes, I do well to be angry, God. I mean, do you understand just how serious the sarcasm is and the, yeah, the, the disrespect is here from Jonah to God? Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. So what does God do? Does he finally pick up that lightning bolt out of his pocket? No, God's teaching Jonah a lesson. The Lord said, you pity the plant. Remember that plant that gave him shade? Who, which did, you didn't labor for it. You didn't work to make it grow. It came into being at night. And then the next night, it perished. It went away. Should I, God speaking, not pity the city of Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know their right hand from their left. They don't know what's right and wrong. They don't know how to be made right with God. And also much cattle. It's a wealthy city. Shouldn't I be, con Jonah, you're upset that I killed the plant. Shouldn't you be concerned? And aren't I right to be concerned for these people? And that's where it ends. We don't know what happened to Jonah. We don't know if God finally got through to him and he went back to the city and he ministered, he helped those people and he served those people. We don't know if Jonah just sat there and like pretty much burned up, you know, got scorched and just he's, his carcass is still up there. We don't know. But what we do know is there's a lesson here for us. Are you following this story? Do you see how this happened? Doesn't it just capture your attention that it should have been a great ending these people got right with God. There was 120,000 people in the city experiencing revival. And the person who God used to bring the revival was up on a mountaintop hoping they would die and ticked off about it. There's some lessons here that we can learn. I've called this kind of talk tonight the challenge of mercy because it challenges us in some areas. So we're going to I got four observations for you from this, this story. This is a true story, true story from the Word of God about how God dealt with Jonah. They're not alliterated, I'm sorry. Don't have F words, don't have P words, don't have C words. They're just words. Couldn't make it work. The first thing that we learn, the first kind of lesson that we learn is that God has a plan. God has a plan. What's so interesting about this story is how many of y'all like bugs? How many of y'all just, you can't do the bug thing. You just can't, okay. Um, we're gonna be talking about bugs. Um, what's so interesting about this is God gives us just a little peek inside what, it's, what the life was like for somebody that he would use. You know, sometimes we, we look at the Bible and we think about people like David and Moses and you know, all these like, like big characters. We think we could never be like them. But God had a plan for Jonah's life. And what's interesting about God's plan for Jonah's life is that it involved a very, very, very imperfect person. I don't have to go over with you all of the character flaws that Jonah had, right? I mean, he disobeyed God. He was sarcastically disrespectful toward God. He hated people with what I believe was probably a racist and kind of a nationalist type hate toward these people who were others compared to him. Jonah was not just an imperfect person. By many of our standards, he was a, a bad person in many ways. But Aren't we, in many ways, in certain areas of our life, imperfect people? God had a plan for Jonah, this imperfect person, and God has a plan for you and for your life too. And it's not just the plan, it's the way that God does his plan. 
What's so interesting, looking through the whole book of Jonah is how God works in Jonah's life. If you have, how many many of y'all actually have a physical Bible? You got got your like, you got your hard, beat people over the head Bible. I mean, don't beat people over the head with it, but you you got a, you got a Bible. Track with me. Look, look at this here. Look at how God is intimately involved in Jonah's life. In verse four of chapter one, when Jonah's on the boat, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Verse 17 of chapter one, it says that the Lord um, appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Verse 10 of chapter two, the Lord spoke to the fish and he vomited Jonah out on the dry land. Verse 10 of chapter three, when God saw what the people did in reaction to Jonah's message, God relented and he forgave them. Then go over to our chapter here. Verse number six, remember the plant? The Lord appointed a plant to give Jonah shade and then the Lord appointed the worm to kill the plant and then the Lord appointed the wind to come. Do you see how God is using things? Good things. Hard things. Painful things. To get Jonah's attention. And to move him along in his plan. Um, One of the things that is so difficult for me, and I'm sure is difficult for you, is when pain enters my life. And I'm sure it's difficult for you when pain enters your life. We can say a lot about Jonah, but what we do know about Jonah, maybe the reason he was so angry is that he experienced a lot of pain. Physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. Are you like Jonah in that way? Are you trying to make sense of all the things that have happened in your life? Families break up sometimes and it's hard to make sense of that. You put in college applications and they don't come back the way you want. You study and study and study for a test and you bomb it. People are relentlessly mean to you. And inside, you may not share it with your friends, you may not share it with your tag leaders, but inside there's this incredible amount of pain. Through Jonah, we see that God has a plan. One of my favorite uh, writers, authors to read, his name's C.S. Lewis. Some of you have probably read some of his stuff. Um, he has a quote that as soon as I read through this and Jonah I was preparing, it reminded me of Jonah's story. And this is what he says. He said, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, consciences, but he shouts in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see how God used all these things that happened in Jonah's life and caused some of the things that happened in Jonah's life to get Jonah's attention and to move him along in his plan. Some of the things that you're experiencing right now that you have absolutely no idea how it could be a part of any kind of plan. It just seems like chaos. God is using that to move you along in his perfect plan for you. And at this moment, you can experience a closest to him That is very hard to experience when you're not experiencing pain. So God has a plan. Life may seem chaotic, but through Jonah's Jonah's example, we learn that God has a plan. The next thing we learn is that our hearts drift. How many of y'all are Switch players? Okay. Any Mario Karters in in the room? Okay. One thing, I love playing Mario Kart, and one thing that has happened to me before is they're racing my daughter. Okay, you know, we're doing, you know, I'm pretty good at it. So then I switched to 200cc. Any 200ccers? 
No? Okay. So I'm ready, man. I'm, I, yeah, yeah. Lakitu's going down. You know, like I'm Metal Mario. That's my guy. Um, so any Metal Mario people? No. Okay. We got one. Okay. So what's, you know what happened? I was, I was halfway through a Grand Prix. Okay. Third race. Got first place. Got first place. And then all of a sudden my car just keeps veering to the left. And veering to the left. And I'm trying to keep it centered. And I just, I can't keep up with these guys. You know what I found out was that the controller lost its calibration. The joy, is that any ever happened to you? And he, I had to go and recalibrate the joystick on this Switch controller. You know, our hearts are a lot like Nintendo Switch controllers. <laughs> Mark that one down. That's what I learned tonight at Refuel. And here's what happens. Our hearts lose their calibration. And we start just, before we know it, we're like that lady on the four-wheeler, careening into Uncle Joe's barbecue. And we don't know how we ended up here. Have you ever ended up in a situation, I mean, you know it's probably your fault, but you don't, you're you like, how did I end up here? Well, there's a reason. And it has to do with your heart. You know, Disney princesses, you know, no matter how your heart is dreaming, if you keep on believing, the dream that you wish will come true. Follow your heart. Well, you know, I hate to call Snow White a heretic, but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> next thing I learned at Refuel, Switch controllers, Snow White's a heretic. Now, uh, here's what the truth is about our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our hearts because our hearts determine the course of our lives. What's going on in our heart determines where we're gonna end up. And here's the big problem. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately Wicked. That's kind of tough with the white girl positive vibe thing on Instagram, isn't it? The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is, but I, the Lord, search the hearts and examine the motives. The problem is our hearts come pre-calibrated for us to drift. And we see that in Jonah's life, don't we? His heart was like, I mean, it was like a, like every time God would get his attention, like get, you know know how like when you fall, I keep coming back to Mario Kart. You know how when you fall off the course, the little thing comes and and, and puts you back on the course? It was like Jonah kept going, and then God would take him, put him back on the course, and just go, you know, just kept going off the course and off the course and off the course. That is not just Jonah. That is us. That's us. So when's the last time you gave yourself a little check on your heart? I don't have time to go through each of these line by line with you. You may want to just take a picture of them or you can go on the refuel app later and the notes will be on there. We'll put them on Instagram tomorrow too. A little heart check. These are all from the book of Jonah that I found signs to look for to show that our heart needs to be recalibrated. I don't see the hypocrisy in my life. My feelings control the way I act and react. I can't celebrate the good fortune of others. I feel it's okay to withhold mercy from people. I root for destruction. I serve God out of duty, not devotion. I know I said the word duty. But um, you know a lot of people serve God, but their hearts are so far from God. A lot of people serve in VBS and they go on mission trips. A lot of people go across the world and preach to a city and 100,000 people repent, but their hearts are still far from God. I see the sins of others, but not my own. I prefer to live life in isolation. What's so interesting about Jonah? 
He never had anybody. Just about every other person you see going on trips and going on ministry in the Bible had somebody with them. Jonah lived in isolation. I'm not really interested in knowing and obeying God's word. God spoke to Jonah and Jonah did the exact opposite. So, you know, one, one thing about being a, a pastor that I'm, I, I'm required to do is that God tells me that, yeah, one day I'm gonna give an account for your souls in Hebrews. So I need to ask you, how's your heart? When you look in the mirror of God's word, what is it, you get the x-ray, what does it say about your heart? You might not like that one, so we're gonna go to the next one. The next one we learn is a little more positive. People matter. I want to go back to this verse and underline it because this is, this is such, this, 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 I, I looked into the mirror and I found this to be very convicting personally. I'll just be real with you. Verse number 10, God talking to Jonah, you pity the plant for which you did not labor and you did not make it grow. It came into the night and perished at night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city for more than 120,000? 120,000 what? People, persons. You know what's sad? Jonah cared more about the plant than he cared about the people. God, Jonah cared more about his personal comfort than the eternal souls of people. You see how this affects us? Why did God redirect Jonah back to these two words here? Well, word and a number. Persons, and then there's a number. Because every, num every one of those 120,000 people had a name. Every one of those 120,000 people had a soul that would live forever in one of two destinations. People matter. Jonah is one of two books of the Bible that end in a question. I'll let you all figure out the other one. One of two books in the Bible that ends with a question. And look at the question that God asks. I'm gonna read it again. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city? So let me take that question and turn it around into 2023 lingo. Do we agree that people without Jesus are lost? Do we have compassion for people who are lost? Do we have concern for people who are different than us? They're of a different race than us or they go to a different school than us or they're a different age than us? Do we rejoice when people turn to God? You know, a lot of people, especially if you've been in church a long time, have a hard time rejoicing when people who have been living kind of a, a known sinful life turn to God. We have a little bit of resentment. We say, I've been trying to live a life like a holy, pure life. Like, like I've been trying to like, 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 like be like, you know, modest and everything. And I've been, I've been trying to live the way God wants me to live and be respectful of my parents. Like, and my, my DMs have like cobwebs growing in them. But then like, like she flirts with like every guy in the school, like does everything in the world on Friday nights. And she's got like all kinds of guys. How's that fair? We harbor resentment sometimes when people turn to God. We feel like they should have been punished and we missed out on sin. Do we really believe that people matter? 
Do we really believe that people matter? You know, God took Jonah. I, you remember, it was all part of God's plan. Jonah was sitting there looking at the city of 100,000 people and God brought his attention back to the number of those people. And I wanna just for a minute bring your attention back to something. I shared this statistic that part of in my studies and the program I'm in, I had to do some research on teens in our area. These are students, middle and high school students within a 15 minute drive of Lewis Memorial, 15 minute drive of this building. There are 10,000, or excuse me, 14,123 students within a 15 minute drive of this building. Of those 14,123 students, only 564, that's 4%, claim a faith alone relationship with Jesus. I mean, you think about that. Like, we have between 80 and 100 teenagers here on a given Wednesday night. So when you look around the room, you're looking at like one-fifth of all the Christian teenagers in our area. We think that we're in like the belt buckle of the Bible belt and everybody around here is Christian. No, everybody around here is religious. But if they don't know that it's faith that saves them, you know what they are? They're lost. And you know who God put in their lives to save them? You. Do people really matter? And if they do, what comforts are you willing to give up to reach them? For some of us, comfort is being socially safe. Like you're like me, you're an introvert and it would like, like, like it would be so hard for you to just walk up to somebody and just like start talking to them. That's me. Yeah, I'll raise both hands. With that. That's me. But am I willing to leave my comfort to help save an eternal soul? Are we willing to give up our sleep so we can get up and fuel ourselves with God's word? Are we willing to give up something we have planned for the summer so that we can love on some kids downtown or love on kids at our church's VBS here? What, are, what sacrifices are we willing to make because people matter? You know, Jonah was these, on, these people's only shot at eternal life. So are you. People matter. We're gonna end on this one. Everyone needs a hero. I don't know if Drew, this song came to Drew's mind or not, but when I hear the word hero, I think of my favorite band. You know, y'all, some of y'all don't like them. I like Skillet. And yeah, Skillet has a song, I Need a Hero. And we listened to it on the way over here just because it was on my mind. Here's what's so incredible. When I was a, you know, when Addie, well, I'm not supposed to talk about my daughter. Um, there's, a, there's a book out there called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Any of y'all ever have that when you were a kid? Underneath the, the title of the Jesus Storybook Bible, it says this. Every, um, it, it says, I wrote it down. I just had a brain fart. Every story whispers his name. Every story in the Bible, true story from the word of God, points us to Jesus. And the story of Jonah is no exception. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus was standing in front of a lot of religious people who had rejected him as their Messiah and he said this, the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they, they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus presented himself as someone greater than Jonah. The story of Jonah leaves us desperate for a hero. Because <laughs> Jonah ain't it, right? Like, like Jonah was the guy God sent, but Jonah was obviously not the hero. There has to be a better prophet than, jo than Jonah. There has to be a better servant than Jonah. We find it in Jesus. You know, it's interesting, some of the similarities. There aren't many, but there are a few similarities between Jesus and Jonah. They both slept on a boat in a storm. 
Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days. Jesus was in the grave for three days. But this is where the similarities end. (laughs) Here are some differences between Jesus and Jonah. Jonah was a regular dude. Jesus was greater than Jonah. He was the son of God. Jonah was forced to go to these people. Jesus willingly came to live with us. Jonah was disobedient. Jesus was obedient in every way. Jonah was proud. Jesus was humble. Jonah was mean, right? (laughs) Jesus was compassionate. Jonah was God's prophet. Jesus was God's final word. Jonah was obviously sinful. Jesus was perfectly holy. Jonah hated the people he came to save, but Jesus loved the people who hated him. Jonah refused to forgive people and sought to have them killed, and Jesus forgave those who killed him. Jonah had his own sins to pay for. Jesus paid for your sin. This story points us to the fact that we need a hero. Jonah was a sinner. Just like those people in Nineveh, unless they repented, They'd stand before God and have eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Jonah was no different. He was a sinner and he needed Jesus just as much as the people of Nineveh needed Jesus. The story of Jonah points to the story of Jesus who died for the sins of the people of Nineveh. He died for the sins of Jonah. He died for my sins and he died for your sins so that anyone who believes in Jesus can have eternal life with him that starts now and lasts forever. Jesus proves that people matter to God. So how do we end this? I kind of lied a little bit. I do have some P words for you. And I'm just going to put them all up at the same time. First is physical. I played soccer and the, the school would send in the mail like, it's time for, and then it was like dot, dot, dot. And then you flip the postcard and it says, sports physical. It's like you're supposed to get excited about that, right? But yeah, if you've ever had to go to the doctor, you know, they, they listen to your heartbeat, you know, they take your blood pressure, you know, they do some other awkward things you are not going to talk about here. You have to get a checkup. You have to get a physical and they check your vitals. Some of you need a spiritual, and I needed it too when I started this, a spiritual physical. You need to ask yourselves the questions that we had on the screen earlier and see where your heart is because of all, a lot of us find a lot of similarities to Jonah chapter four. The second is people. Do people matter to you like they matter to God? So ask yourself this question. What comforts am I willing to give up to reach people for Jesus? That question will define what you do with your life. Gary Hale always says, only three things last forever. God, his word, and the souls of men and women. Prioritize your life accordingly. The last P word is plan. Trust God's plan for your life. Are you like Jonah? Like you're just going through stuff. Family stuff, school stuff, personal stuff, mental stuff, emotional stuff. And it's so hard to see how God could be working in this ridiculous situation, in this terrible situation. You need to trust that even in pain, it's God's megaphone to speak to you. Or you need to trust God's plan for your eternal life. Has there been a time in your life where you realized that you were like the people of Nineveh, that you were like Jonah, and without God saving you, you're in trouble. Make tonight the night that you trust in Jesus. He did all the work. 
He did all the work on the cross by dying for your sins. All you have to do is turn to him and believe in him. Have you done that? There is no more important question in your life than that. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. Bow your head and close your eyes. We're not gonna have any kind of fancy this or that, but I just wanna give you a moment. I just wanna give you half a minute, a minute. There are some questions that were asked. Do you need to get your heart right with God? Do you need to commit to doing whatever it takes to reach people for Christ with your life? And believe in him and become saved. I'm gonna give you a moment to quietly in your heart do whatever it is you need to do with God right now. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the time that we have in your word. Thank you for the story that you've given us. It's a true story. It's from your word. We see ourselves in it so much. In many ways, it's like a mirror exposing the parts of our lives that are just so out of line with your holiness. God, I pray that we'll give ourselves that checkup, that we'll recalibrate our lives around what's right around your word. And God, I pray that you'll put a burden on our hearts to reach people. Some people aren't easy to reach. Some people are mean, but they need you and you've put us in, our, in their lives for a reason. I pray that no matter what career field each student chooses, that they'll choose to take whatever you've given them and use it to reach people. And God, I pray finally that if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know for sure that they have a home in heaven waiting for them, that doesn't know that they have the new life here and now that you give, God, that they'll make that right tonight, that they'll be able to walk through these doors in the back knowing that they're saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.